I'm going to call the meeting back to order. Are you ready? That's what the gavel's for. It, it calls you to attention, right? <laughs> Thank you, Carolee. So we we do have uh, one thing to uh, report out from closed session. We hired a number of uh, individuals as follows. The first one, the Interim Vice President of Instruction, Eric Shearer, and he was hired at the equivalent to Step 2 plus Longevity Increment 1 on the Vice President Salary Schedule. He was looking at me, so I thought we needed to clap for him. The next one is a mathematics instructor, Karen Walters, Step 6 on the Contract Regular Faculty Academic Salary Schedule, an Associate Degree Nursing Instructor, Bessie Hannigan, Step 10 on the Contract Regular Faculty Academic Salary Schedule, and Child Development Center Teacher, Alicia Rollins, range 14.5, step B on the classified salary schedule. Instructional Assistant 3, the Disability Student Programs and Services, range 19, step B on the classified salary schedule. And the last one, Brandon Tofanelli. The Instructional Assistant 3, Disabled Student Program Services, range 19, Step C on the Classified Salary Schedule. So, Were those all by unanimous vote? By unanimous vote. Thank you. Did I miss one? Oh, one that's... Should be very dear to my heart, and I think that's why I left it till the end, because I am on the VWT board. So, uh, for the viticulture and winery technology instructor Molly Hodgins, step eight on the contract regular faculty academic salary schedule, and all of those were by unanimous consent or vote. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so, congratulations to all our new employees. No other things to report from closed session. Now we come back to item 5-2, the Pledge of Allegiance. If everybody will rise, please, and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Five point three adoption of the agenda. I'll second. That's all right. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, everybody in favor of adopting the agenda as presented? Aye. 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 Are we not voting? We can, I, I would suggest we can record those later for you, but, you know, since. Do we need a slower pace? <laughs> okay. Now we move on to six public comment in general. And we will at this time devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting but over which the Board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the Board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. This time the Board is there anyone wishing to speak for general public comment? We have um, we do have one comment card, but actually pertaining to consent calendar item 11.4, rather than making the gentleman wait until we get there, would any objection to having him present his comments at this time? No objection. Thank you. Then we have uh, Ricardo Dominguez. My name is Ricardo Dominguez. I what? I take classes at the at Envis Navajo Valley Sports Services. I work at Vallejo Village. I earn ten dollars per hour. Thank you for. I thank the college, from the bottom of my heart. for working with Napa Valley Support Services. You have made a big positive difference in my life, and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dominguez. Is there any other public comment? And no further public comment. We close the public comment period. Move on to item seven, constituent group reports. 7.1, academic Senate report, Amanda Badgett. Good evening, board. Napa Valley College is currently in a state of flux. Since the end of term, We've been working to fill, by my count, no fewer than 16 critical positions at this college. This would include four full-time faculty positions, two full-time one-year leave replacement faculty positions, an interim VP, four deans, and six classified staff positions. While summer hiring is unavoidable at times, trying to vet and hire this many positions at a time when faculty are off contract is very concerning. As Senate President, it's my role to appoint colleagues to these very important committees. To do so at a time when my colleagues have professional commitments, including teaching summer school, as well as personal commitments, it's been extremely challenging. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank those faculty who have stepped up and offered up part of their summer, not for free, it should be mentioned, 
um, to do this important work. And I'd also like to give a shout-out to the tireless staff in HR and their efforts at making these committees go under very difficult circumstances. In the future, I would like the college to explore ways we can target positions early enough in the academic year to take advantage of the largest and most eligible pool of candidates, as well as being able to draw on faculty who are here working and can serve on these hiring committees. And I am looking forward uh, to discussing with Charo very soon some of her ideas regarding outreach and recruitment, for example. So what all this hiring means is that in a matter of months, Napa Valley College, especially in instruction, will look very different. So much change. And let's face it, change is disconcerting, provoking, fear-inducing. Tonight I look at all of this uncertainty with an open mind, with new faces or old faces in new positions. All kinds of positive change can happen. One positive change which is underway as I speak is a revived orientation for all new staff, which will be conducted, it, we are hoping, on an ongoing basis so that any individual joining us will be provided a kind of personal welcome beyond just the onboarding with TB tests and, and fingerprinting and all of that. And it might include like a map, a name of a colleague that that person can call to find out where the nearest bank is or where to eat lunch, that sort of thing. Um, another way of thinking about the, the opportunities that this change provides is to begin thinking of ways that we can serve and support students and student learning by combining forces and instruction and student services um, to work together to make sure that triple SP money and equity money find its way into the classroom to that essential point of contact between instructor and student. There's a wonderful opportunity to bridge the divide between instruction and student services. So many common areas, support centers, especially professional development, so faculty can learn the latest in pedagogy to engage all students effectively. Indeed, in an article um, in the March issue of Rostrum, which is the publication of the State Academic Senate, there was an article entitled Transforming the Culture that addressed this very idea. And among the suggestions was have an honest dialogue, and I'm quoting at this point, have an honest dialogue among leaders about what the college must accomplish and whether the college culture facilitates achievement or if it may need to improve. Determine how does each group contribute to the shared vision of the college. Keep the discussion informal and global if you can. Each educational leader will need to go back to constituent groups to discuss the details and, pro and the process. So I'm hoping moving forward that that is what we can embrace as we bring on a, a, what can only be described as a slew of new colleagues. And on one final note, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome Eric Shearer as the interim VPI. Eric and I have known each other since 2003, and we've worked together and successfully in the visual arts department. I look forward to working with Eric as we na navigate all of this flux and change to ensure that teaching and learning remain central to everything we do here. And in my very seasoned position of an academic Senate president, I've been here a whole year, I would offer the following advice to Eric as we move forward. Listen. We as faculty have felt unheard and unheeded 
And while there is much improvement, which we can tackle, and, and changes we can implement, it's best done collaboratively, where both faculty and administration are listening to each other. And, again, I quote the words of the State Academic Senate, our students need us to work collaboratively excuse me, collaboratively and collegially to innovate so that our colleges remain dynamic, vital, and effective in our communities. We should all work to harness that power for change together. Thank you. Thank you. 7.2, Administrative Confidential Senate Report. I don't see Ken. There no report. 7.3, Associated Students of Napa Valley College Report. Good evening, Gabriel. trustees. You off. It's great to see you all again. Um, hasn't been that long since I've been away, but I have a couple of things to report on. Um, last week during the midweek of June, we went to an ASNBC retreat, um, and that was in Westminster Woods. It went very well. We did have a low attendance, unfortunately, but we are able to communicate with our members more effectively this semester. So we've got them up to speed with what it is that you know, we want to see from them. At the retreat itself, we went over parliamentary procedure. Uh, with David Mazzara, who did the presentation earlier. And then we also did um, a leadership workshop with Edward Schenk. I think he was the vice, the previous vice president of student services. Um, and those both went really, really well. So we're looking forward to, you know, learn or using what we learned at the retreat um, when we're back in session as a board. And we will be starting tomorrow. Tomorrow we have a meeting at 10 a.m. in our office. And we're going to be going over a couple of important things. Um, that includes um, going over a new constitution draft that we worked on at the retreat as well. Um, there's a lot of changes that we made. We're going to make stylistic changes, um, discipline changes, because that's something we've had issues with in the past. We're also working now with the Napa County Library. Um, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be holding events in the Student Activity Center. Right now, we only have scheduled um, a board game night where they're going to bring um, an outside group that provides a lot of games and things to try to see if we can get a lot of students on board and see if they can participate. Um, what that allows us to do is also work on really advertising the Student Activity Center because um, within the next year, it's really hopefully going to become a hub for student activities on campus. Um, we also presented to the Foundation Board, I, I believe about a month ago, but um, since we've received funding for them to help uh, fund a remodeling, I guess, of the Student Activity Center, we're going to be having a hard, uh, what is it, what would I call it, a new, a grand opening, a grand reopening for the Student Activity Center, hopefully at the beginning of August, probably mid-August when school comes back. Um, I, we don't have a date for that yet exactly, so um, I'll keep you all posted on that, but you know, it'll be it'll it would be a wonderful event to have the trustees come out and you know check out what's going on, support us there. Um, we're also going to be going over. Excuse me. Actually, that's most of what the important stuff is. We're also going to be talking about the welcome back tables. Um, I know that quite a bit of you actually do go to those every year, but I would like to see everyone out there making sure that we can have an interface between the students and the trustees because that's not always necessarily the case. I've been the only one in here within the last year. Kelsey's our new one, but this, besides that, there's not a lot of students in the audience. I don't see any. So love to have you there. And then we also do try to provide treats for the students, I guess, as a welcome back 
<laughs> to the school and you know try to make it as pleasant as possible. So if anyone wants to help out with bringing anything like that, uh, I know Kyle helped us out last year with donuts. You know, keep in contact with me. I'll be keeping in contact with you because I'll probably be working with you very intimately. Um, we do have one, of, in my opinion, one of the strongest boards this year. Um, a lot of our board this year is made up of people that were on last year. So they're very familiar with the issues we face. And for most of the problems that we have, we've already come up with solutions and we'll be implementing implementing them along the way. So I think that's all I have to report on. Thank you. Thank you. 7.4 Classified Association Report. Jan Sharp. Need the mic, Jan, please. Good evening. We, um, I don't have much to report. We're getting ready to go back into negotiations, as you know, um, for just a couple language items on each side, so we're looking forward to that and working with Charo and the rest of the team. And um, we're excited that we're starting to hire classified staff again. That's good. Um, of course, there's more to go, as Amanda said. So things are going pretty smooth right now. Thank you. Thank you. 7.5, Classified Senate Report, Tuela Huerta. My name is Tuela Huerta. I, am, I work in the business office, account payable clerk. Um, since Chris Farmer has jumped ship onto <laughs> bigger, better things, I've kind of just been not really thrown into it, but I was kind of waiting to see if someone else could come up. Anyway, I heard he had retreat rights, so there's still some hope. Um, uh, I know that our Senate is, or our body, is uh, very happy for Chris moving on. We're excited that he's still a leader on the campus community. Um, and uh, I have big shoes to fill. So I was told I needed to report to EOMs, and I guess the last one he reported was for May. In June, we had Irene Avina, who is in the custodial services. She was nominated by Rebecca Scott. Um, Rebecca had stated that Irene goes up and beyond in her work. She's thoughtful, professional, and caring in everything that she does. I don't believe I've ever seen her without a smile on her face, even when she is faced with difficult work. She's kind to everyone, including employees, administrators, and students. She looks for ways to assist in making our campus clean and welcome. Um, I don't know Irene personally, but I have seen her on campus, and she does have a very beautiful smile and is always very pleasant. Um, this month, EOM is Dixie Larson in Admissions and Records. She was nominated by Marion Wooters uh, and... Marion wrote, I have worked with Dixie a little over three years, and she is and has been a rock for the admissions and records office. In her role as graduation specialist, international student coordinator, and part-time evaluator, she assumes great expertise, is friendly and funny, and makes you always feel comfortable. She has exhibited a strong sense of leadership, 
as past president of the NBCACP and has held many positions as an officer and negotiator to assure we have the best employment circumstances we can. Dixie has been an employee at the Napa Valley College since 1997 and deserves some kudos for longevity alone. And I, I know Dixie better than I do Irene, or more than I do Irene, and she is very helpful and has always stood up for for her constituency group and also being a, a steward and other roles. Um, our Senate. Some of us were, thanks to the DAS many grants, we were able to go to the Classified Leadership Institute in Ventura in June. That was a, a great experience for all of us. In going to these conferences myself, I have seen growth in confidence and leadership skills, not just for me, but also in my peers. Um, this opportunity brings unity to our constituency group. We go as strangers. We come back as, as friends. Together, we learn how to be effective in shared governance, build morale, professional growth. We return with tools needed to be more efficient and productive in our roles on campus. And I think that's pretty much it. I'm still kind of figuring things out, so... Thank you. Thank you, and welcome. Hi. It's kind of weird having this here. I can't <laughs> see you guys. You're all blocked on the other side of the screen. So I would like to echo many of the um, comments expressed by my colleague, um, Amanda Badgett, and say that, yes, we are doing a lot of hires and that while she did mention that faculty are compensated for those hires, I want to point out that they are given a very small stipend, which probably equates to about 50 cents an hour for the work that they do on those hiring committees. While we are thankful for the stipend, I just wanted to just um, let you know that it's really not um, full compensation for the amount of work that they do for those hiring committees. I also want to comment on, as many of you probably know, the college is shifting from using Blackboard as a platform for delivering distance education, and we are transitioning, um, albeit slowly, to Canvas to deliver that um, distance education. I wanted to also point out that we still, as I had said a couple weeks, a couple months ago, I guess it's not a couple weeks ago, um, that we still need training for that. Um, platform. It's not the same as you can ride um, um, a two-wheel bike and now you can ride a 10-speed. They are absolutely different platforms. They are not the same and they require different skill sets. So we will be looking forward to hopefully some trainings on those that um, um, are provided for faculty and particularly our part-time faculty. Um, and then I also wanted to comment on a couple of things also. Um, Christy Iwamoto, who is our first vice president, will be continuing to serve as the women's director for CCA. CCA is the community college branch of CTA. Um, she and I both have been elected to CCA state council, and I will also be serving on the CCA policy committee this coming year. 
Um, I will also be attending the CTA, CCA conference this summer, the President's Conference, like my colleague, um, a whole year in, and I still have so much I don't know about being a union president. So hopefully I'll learn something when I go. I also want to express um, congratulations to Dixie Larson. So Dixie has, I don't know how long she's been at the college, but um, she has always been an advocate and support for students. And those of you that know me um, about graduation um, petition dates, for years I have been saying that the date is too far ahead. So at our college, we have to petition in October for June graduation. And Dixie has always helped me process um, graduation petitions for students who are like, oh, I needed to petition a year ago. Um, and, and by the way, I have data from all 113 colleges in the state and when their graduation petition deadlines are. I looked them up myself. Um, and we are one of the earliest um, requesters for those petitions. Um, and... Um, Dixie always advocates for students, gives them personal time, and always puts them first in her work. So I was really excited um, that she um, was the winner this past month. I also want to um, welcome Eric Shearer as our new VPI. We are looking forward to working with him in this position. I have worked with Eric for many years, um, both on and off campus. And then I also want to express thanks to um, Craig Alimo specifically for his prompt response to the recent acts of hate that have happened um, in the last couple of months. Um, I am looking forward to his leadership in this area as we enter this new year and address some of these issues on our campus. And aside from that, um, that is all I have for um, this month, but um, thanks so much. Thank you. Item number eight, Superintendent President's Report. Dr. Kraft. Thank you. Um, pretty short, and this is summer, so we have um, no reports from, from several folks. I don't think that you have anything yet from the foundation. Um, just to say the foundation is, is active. They're continuing to meet and moving forward for a, a potential that you should remember, save the date of November 5th that they're going to do their first large annual gala on November 5th. So you might just jot that down, and um, we'll be having more information flow that direction. Um, let's just go to Vice President's report, and maybe we start with the PAS. Certainly. So just very quickly, um, July and August are a pretty busy time in administrative services in uh, the business office, we're going about the business of closing the old fiscal year, paying bills from the old fiscal year, and uh, opening up the new fiscal year. And in uh, institutional technology and in facilities, we are uh, doing some renovations on campus, getting some classroom upgrades taken care of to improve the uh, instructional environment in uh, some of our classrooms. Institutional technology is also in the process of doing a server migration for our email server, which will then lead the way to us being able to issue email accounts to our students and, more importantly, to implement single sign-on and the portal, which are things that we've been talking about for a long time and uh, do expect to see in the near future. And then finally, 
in uh, facilities. We accepted delivery in uh, early July of our four new 12-passenger vans that the board approved us leasing uh, at an earlier board meeting, and those four vans will allow, to allow us to provide safer and more reliable transportation for our student groups and our athletic teams uh, starting with the fall semester. Thank you. Um, Oscar DeHaro is um, Vice President of Student Services on a well-deserved vacation. And because of the Wednesday structure of this, which is unusual, um, you can see that his backup is nowhere to be seen because they're all on vacation as well. So um, he sends his high regard for you. He's watching TV as we speak. Um, and um, Eric, your first report. Here you go. All right, good evening, board. Um, I'll, I'll also keep this fairly short here tonight, as this is my sixth day now on the job. So um, uh, fresh into this position, I want to uh, thank both the association and the Senate for the welcome. Um, uh, and I'm looking forward to working with them. I'm also looking forward to working with everybody here on campus in this new capacity. So a little bit about where instruction is at this moment. As was mentioned earlier, hiring, 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 hiring is really the first major thing that's on the plate for instruction right now. So. As you know, we're hiring uh, many faculty positions. We're also hiring for a lot of uh, for a lot of administrative positions right now. So, uh, the, you know, the indication had been um, that we are in flux right now in that position um, when it comes to hiring. And I think that we're actually at a wonderful uh, turning point for the college where we can really bring on some new people and really uh, get some great training in. So, I think we've got a wonderful opportunity on this front, on the instructional side, to bring in people and to create a really good cohesive team. Um, on the same front, uh, along the lines of uh, cohesion, um, one of the other things that instruction is uh, working on right now is reaching out to all of the other areas of campus. So I've already had meetings with uh, the Vice President um, Parker, with Vice President DeHaro, and we're talking about uh, the intersection between instruction and all of the areas of campus. So I'm very interested in the coming, in the coming months to really uh, increase and strengthen the connection uh, between all of the areas of campus. So working on that, also we have preparation for accreditation. So we have a follow-up visit that will be coming uh, this coming spring. And so there are a couple of items that are on, on the agenda for instruction related to that, to that accreditation follow-up report that we're doing. And, um, you know, I, I've presented here to the board on accreditation previously in, in, in a previous incarnation of my role here on campus. So I'm really excited to get working with the faculty and to work with the rest of the campus on the issues surrounding that. Um, other things that instruction is looking at right now and working on the continuation of our enrollment management team. So we have an enrollment management committee that was reconstituted in the past year to look at everything surrounding how we, from how we schedule courses to how we bring students into those courses to how students flow through courses and flow through programs and end up successful with degrees and certificates out on the other side of it. And so I'm really looking forward to diving into that, getting into the numbers, and uh, really looking at the data right now and where we are as a campus, uh, both with meeting our FTES goals, but I think more importantly, meeting the needs of the students in the community and uh, meeting the needs of students that are in our existing programs here on campus. Um, and finally, the point is well taken about listening, uh, uh, President Badgett. Um, you know, I, 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 think, I think that this is something that I'm... That I'm um, uh, very interested in working on in the, in the coming year, in the coming months here with the college, uh, listening to everybody. Um, this is something that I'm uh, really excited about and very, very much looking forward to and really strengthening all of the relationships 
all the way around. Um, in the future, I'll bring more specific things about enrollment and other data and numbers, but for now I'm going to leave it at that for tonight. Thank you. Um, I would draw your attention to um, the Public Information Office report. There's about uh, 23 pages or so of um, kind of clipping service things that we have done. We continue to, um, I would say, you know, get good press across the board. Um, generally speaking, um, depending on the outreach efforts, there's between 50 to 200 personal connections between administrators and leaders in uh, each month um, in the county. And that um, continues to increase. So um, excited about the outreach. Um, I, I think the staff today, you know, kind of got our uh, new wine program, gets new teachers, and, and there's great enthusiasm, as Raphael indicated, across the board on that. So you could take a look at that at your leisure. And with that, um, I'm done for tonight. Thank you, Dr. Kraft. Nine. Item number nine, approval of minutes. Do we have those? Are these up, Carolee, or are they, it says proposed, so I'm not quite sure. Um, they're available to the executive log on, and mm -hmm. they're made available to the public after they're approved. There it is. Uh, Got it. Thank you. So we're looking at the special meeting minutes for Wednesday, June 8th. Are you looking for a motion? I am. So we learned we didn't have to. We didn't. We didn't need them. It's already on the agenda. But we learned there, today. Well, then, is there any objection to adopt to approving the? Yeah, I. I am. Um, so I know we've talked about moving towards action-only minutes, but we haven't done that yet, and we haven't changed our board policy to reflect that. So I was concerned. I mean, obviously, it's a special meeting. It was an information meeting, so there was no action. Um, so there's just nothing there. It doesn't even say the topic of the meeting, what the special meeting was about. So I just, um, if if we went back and looked or the public looked, it, they, they wouldn't even know what the, the topic of the meeting was. So I just would at least to like have added in um, what this meeting was about. Any other yeah, comments? The name of the meeting. It's a special meeting. That's it. And so it has the call to order. It has adoption of the agenda. It has public comment, which there was none, and then that's it. It, it doesn't actually say what the meeting was about. So um, I'm not even asking for major discussion points, but at least what the special meeting was regarding. If somebody, Carolee, can you refresh my, my memory on? conference with labor negotiations. So you're saying that then that we should add that this was a meeting about conf with a conference with a labor negotiator, and that would satisfy your, your concern? That was the is topic. that on there? Where is that, Dr. Kraft? That's um, number three. It should say closed session discussion 3.1. Oh, there it is, yes. So I think it's you, you might have just missed it, but it is in there. Okay. Was So I... Because it's, there's so little here, I'm even having a hard time remembering what this, this is the meeting with our attorney? What, what, what was this meeting? 
Well, we can't discuss can't say, no closed session, session. Okay. now the closed session requirement. So we, we're, we're a little stuck here on this one. Okay. All right. I would say that this, from my vantage point, this definitely af- accurately reflects that meeting and, and be happy to um, okay. re- refresh you. I was lacking, um, because I didn't stay, what the adjournment time was, if you recall. <coughs> I think I, I forward you. This began at 7.07. I'll have to look and get did, you that adjournment time. I did okay. forward it, though. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was like an hour and a half, uh, approximately. I think so. <coughs> so we don't, for Brown Act and so forth, we don't have to even say what it's about regarding conference with labor negotiator regarding... Mm-hmm. Contract, or we don't have to say yeah, anything that's, there. That's I believe is. it said it, the unrepresented employee. Right. <coughs> so again, I refresh my motion to accept the minutes as presented. Any objection? Hearing no objection. Wasn't I wasn't at that meeting, so I have to abstain. So. We have an approval of the minutes with one abstention. And then we have the 9.2 minutes of June 9th, 2016. Is there any objection? Yeah. Um, so this one, um, number three, public comment on closed session items. Um, Amanda Badgett made a statement, and it needs to be reflected in the minutes, that Amanda Badgett made a statement regarding the president's contract extension. I, I would think that would be for Ms. Badgett to correct or request. Was that a direction or an objection from Amy or from Ms. Badgett? From me, because I remember the the statement as well. So will it be added into the actual minutes that she made a statement, and then people can refer to the statement, but it should reflect in the minutes that she made a statement? I I think based, if I can add in, I think based on, on what we've just talked about, now that it's a written report, We'll add it to the the minutes as evidence uh, of that of that um, statement. In answer to your right, but the minutes would reflect that somebody made a statement, and then somebody could go to the actual statement because it will be a supporting document, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it needs to say that she made a statement. Yeah, we'll make that right? correction. Okay. So with that correction, is there any objection to adopting the the minutes? No. There is no objection, and the minutes are adopted with that correction. Number 10, information discussion items, 10.1, accreditation update. Good evening, board. Um, I'm here to provide the regular uh, monthly or bi-monthly sometimes, uh, 
update on accreditation, um, and this is focused on the follow-up report and the associated site visit, uh, with the follow-up report being due um, in the middle of March of 2017, and then the um, site visit associated with that uh, shortly thereafter. I'm not sure whether it will be March or April. <clears throat> so uh, the first slide of this presentation uh, is taken from the ACCJC's guidelines for preparing institutional reports to the commission, and it outlines the expectations for the follow-up report. And although one of the, um, I guess, bad practices for PowerPoints is to read your slide, I feel that this paragraph from directly from the ACCJC's guide is important enough to read. And I should emphasize that I the emphasis that's underlined, <clears throat> excuse me, was added by me. So for a follow-up report, each deficiency identified by the commission in its action letter must be resolved. The report must provide a narrative analysis and evidence that demonstrates the institution has addressed each recommendation and resolved the associated deficiencies. It must also demonstrate that the commission standards are met and affirm that the institution will sustain the changes or improvements. <clears throat> so in my interpretation, this uh, really conveys, <clears throat> excuse me, what I would consider to be a higher order of expectations and requirements now that areas of deficiency or not meeting the standards have been identified by our team and the commission. So that involves uh, narrative and evidence, but then also sustainability to ensure that the institution will meet the standard at all times. Um, one th theme that is woven throughout the accreditation standards is that of creating a common understanding of the institution, and that covers things um, such as regarding the mission, our practices, pro uh, processes, student needs, areas of strength, areas for improvement, um, et cetera. And the communication of that understanding helps direct the campus community toward shared institutional goals, including improvement. And so um, along those lines, since the last accreditation update that I provided to the board, I've been working with Cabinet and particularly the leads for the three recommendations, those are recommendations one, five, and nine, um, to apply this approach to MVC's follow-up report. So what we've done is developed a list of evidence targets, if you will, um, that describe the ideal evidence that we'll need to have in place to show that we meet or exceed the accreditation standards and have addressed all areas of deficiency. Um, so as indicated on the slide here, um, the list of evidence targets has been structured around three sources that uh, were conveyed in the action letter and the team report, and that's the language of the recommendation itself, the cited standards that where we're not meeting, and then the details included in the team report. And the idea or the purpose of that list is really to create a common understanding of where we need to be and then work backwards from there to ensure that we get there uh, together. Um, I also want to use this opportunity to provide some details about what we can expect regarding the team that will be visiting campus sometime next spring uh, following the submission of our follow-up report. And this is based on a, a conversation I had recently with Jack Pond, uh, one of the vice presidents of the ACCJC. Um, so since we have three recommendations, uh, so number one is related to SLO assessment, number five is related to uh, regular evaluation of um, personnel, and number nine is related to uh, physical planning and the integration of our institutional plans. Um, 
And so since we have those three recommendations, uh, he anticipates that our team will, will consist of three members, uh, with each one assigned to focus on one of those uh, recommendations. So for recommendation one, uh, we can anticipate some kind of SLO or CIO type, whatever that means. Um, and then uh, for recommendation five, it will likely be our team chair. And for recommendation nine, it will likely be a CBO type. Um, the ACCJC staff uh, will do its best to get members from our comprehensive team so that there's um, you know, they're, they're already familiar with MVC and our practices and what led to the uh, recommendations in the first place. Um, and it is likely that Dr. Llewellyn, um, who was our team chair uh, before, will also be our team chair for the follow-up visit. Um, the only thing that might impact that is um, his availability and the timing of our uh, site visit. But uh, one thing that you might have noticed in the uh, campus email I sent out uh, maybe a month ago um, about some recent changes at the commission is that Dr. Lillen himself has been appointed to uh, to serve on the commission, um, but that does not affect his availability uh, or, or his ability to uh, participate as a team chair or on any other um, visiting teams. Um, another thing just based on kind of following up on your discussion that you just had about minutes is that um, I think one thing that uh, I need to do as a next step is to, uh, to have a conversation and um, with with Cabinet and uh, Ron in particular about um, board uh, evidence and particularly evidence that's related to accreditation um, because there are, there were some gaps that our team experienced in terms of um, evidence that could have been cited um, for showing that the board receives regular um, ongoing reports about accreditation. I mean, this is obviously I have access to that, but there are um, other training um, um, that maybe isn't um, provided as evidence if it's not captured in the action minutes. And so um, I'll be working with Ron and then uh, cabinet and staff to at least have um, access to the, the uh, presentations that are given at board meetings because that is a gap that uh, team and the members of the campus community had noticed um, during our site visit. So I am happy to answer any questions you might have about the update. Any questions for Dr. Warner? I did just based on what you just said about the minutes, because as you know, we're talking about moving to these action only minutes. And I actually did discuss that with Trustee Rios that I understand that you need evidence that the board interacted with data at different points. Is it enough to refer people like to an audio or a video if we go to video, or do you have to actually have it in the minutes? Uh, well, so um, in, in my opinion, so for if you're referring to the, um, I'm assuming, lengthy. Um, audio of the whole meeting where we can't maybe click and pick and choose and jump um, to and from action items. But really what I want to do is um, make it as easy as possible for a member of the campus community or the public or a team visitor uh, or the commission to find that evidence, and it shouldn't be cumbersome where they have to listen to two and a half hours of audio to find the one sentence they're looking for. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be in the minutes uh, necessarily, um, but so, so as an example, um, when Bob um, gives the, um, I think the board had a retreat on um, financial planning and the status of the institution, Bob's presentation could be um, evidence that he provided in June or whatever month it was, um, a presentation to the board, and he does that every year. And there's also the um, 320 reports and, all, and the um, other reports that the chancellor's office pro, uh, requires the board to um, hear 
on a regular basis. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily limited to the minutes, but if the minutes aren't going to cover those details, then we need to be uh, mindful of collecting that and, you know, particularly right now among the um, team leads for the follow-up report um, because it is a void otherwise. And, and with turnover in personnel, then if, um, yeah, if I don't know where it is on Bob's computer, then poof, it goes with Bob. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate that update. Subject is uh, 10.2, the Board Self-Evaluation Annual Review of Board Goals. And we have uh, Board Policy 2745 that guides us in this respect. Are we looking at a uh, retreat, board retreat or special meeting? What, uh, take us through, Dr. Well, I think you're in the, the midpoint of a two-year goal review. So the, these are here tonight for you to review, um, just kind of front and center, and also for um, your conversation should the board you know, wish to re revisit. Um, and I'm looking for those. I'm not sure that we have a posted those posted goals. They're on the website, I think, but they're there. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't open that one. Yeah, they didn't show, but well, it would be the board's. It, it, We're if the chair so now. wishes to, to yes, look at them yes, now, let's, uh, mm -hmm. if you could, thank you, Carolyn. I I like the idea of a like a study session just to do this. Um, I don't know how other people feel, but it seems like a lot to go through these right now. There are a lot of goals. You have a tentative, we've talked about this a little bit, you have a tentative budget workshop on August 25th, I believe, and we might consider expanding that a bit, you know, another half an hour or so to kind of review these, if, if, if that worked rather than having a, a sole and separate. If, if this were a pivotal gear and you were re-examining or setting new goals, then I would think you'd need more time, but this, as a review, I think that might be appropriate. That way that I think faculty and staff could also uh, attend that, you know, that workshop and have input. Well, I, I wouldn't be opposed to us doing that, taking, adding some time to that retreat to do this. On the 25th of August? 25th of August is uh, Thursday. Well, contrary to my usual approach, I, I think we ought to set a supper time. I think we ought to give ourselves at least an hour and a half and uh, make sure it says what we want it to say. That we're doing what we claim we're doing. Anyway, that that would be my preference. Any other thoughts? I think since it's a midway point, like you said, it's not the final. I, I would be okay. I'd be okay either way. But I, I think a half an hour, along with that other meeting, would be good personally. Um, but I can go either way. I just don't think we should do it right now. 
No, I'm I'm not suggesting we do yeah, it right no, I know. now either. So I, I'd be open for the extra, the separate one, or to extend. I prefer to extend the other one and add it half an hour to the other one. In like a pre-board workshop next month for the regular meeting. You know, August 25th meeting, right? Well, that would be another option if it can wait that long to do that as our pre-board workshop. I like that idea, too. Right now, that's, that special is scheduled for start to begin at 4. This is the and On my calendar, it runs through 9 o'clock, um, which I'm sure you didn't intend. But um, there's plenty of time, I think, to extend that. There's lots of time there. You're going to be here at 4, and, and we could probably make that work. I think having it before a board meeting makes sense. What what's the what's your projection with uh, your? Well, so there were so this is the uh, study session to review the final budget prior to adoption of the final budget in September. There were no surprises coming out of the uh, budget that uh, was adopted by the state, and so we're really not anticipating any major changes between the tentative budget that you adopted in June and the final budget that we'll be presenting for adoption in September. So I, I, I uh, would agree that we add it on then. Mm-hmm. And if it's uh, something wild ends up happening, we can always reschedule. Right? What's the date of that, August what? 25th. Is that? Three months before Christmas. Is Four that months. definite? <laughs> Is that definite now? I know it was tentative. It is. We can do this now. What do you think? Um, if you are available, it, we can confirm it now. I'm in support of that. <laughs> is there already something planned before our next board meeting as a pre-board workshop or a study session or anything? There, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, depending on the parliamentarian, whether we go that, with that additional piece, and there's also some other kinds of... Uh, financial FTE stuff we might be working on. So right now those are out there, but we could certainly do this instead. I would prefer and suggest that you don't do this at a pre-board workshop, though, because it's really discussing the board's goals. So I think you'd be better in open session with constituencies being able to participate. So August 25th at one time now, getting started? 4 p.m. 4 Good. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm just, uh, for those listening at home, everybody's looking at their PDAs and stuff to to mark this in, to mark this date, the 25th of August. And that'll be here, is that correct? Yeah. Very good. Budget plus goals. 10.3, 2016-2017 negotiations proposal from the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals. Taro, expert in human resources. So the SAIU Local 1021 um, chapter um, is sunshining their reopener for contract negotiations for 
the um, academic year of 1617 um, in accordance with the collective bargaining agreement between Napa Valley Community College District and Services, Service Employees International Union, SEIU Local 1021, hereby makes official notice for reopener contract negotiations with the intent of opening one article of the contract, including all side letter agreements, in memoranda of understanding and other um, and any other contractual instrument between the parties per contractual agreement. And we are also scheduled to bargain binding arbitration and implement the new salary schedule. The collective bargaining agreement between Napa Valley Community College District and SEIU Local 1021 expires on June 30, 2018, and the union wishes to commence reopener negotiations. Please sunshine this letter as our request for reopener contract negotiations at the next board meeting. Any questions, comments? Moving on to 10.4, Napa Valley Community College District proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals for the contract period beginning July 1, 2016. In the spirit of interest-based bargaining, the district seeks to address interests and concerns related to the employment of classified professionals in Napa Valley College. The district has an interest in working collaboratively with the Association of Classified Professionals to create a multi-year, contra- multi-year agreement that would be mutually beneficial. Um, there will be an edit submitted later on to that last statement. Article 9.5, District Fringe Benefits. The district recognizes that the cost of health and welfare benefits financially impact both the district and the membership of Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals. The district wishes to explore options to address the issue of increasing cost of both employee and retiree benefits as well as the unfunded liability for retiree health benefits. Also, Article 5, Vacancies. The district has an interest in clarifying language in this article, including the definition of vacancy and breaks in service. The district reserves the right to amend, modify, delete, add to, or subtract from this proposal until such time as completed um, agreement is, is reached. Thank you very much. Any questions, comments? Moving to 10.5, 2016-2017 negotiations, proposal from the Napa Valley College Faculty Association. The Faculty Association has an interest in discussing and bringing resolution to issues in the following areas. Compensation and benefits for full and part-time faculty focus on wage increases. Working conditions for full and part-time faculty. Collective bargaining agreement language development and revision, including, but not limited to, articles regarding personnel files, public charges, discipline and grievance, and inclusion of appropriate existing MOUs, finalization of contract faculty and tenured faculty evaluation documents, revision of part-time faculty evaluation processes, and memorandum of understanding updates. And the association reserves the right to modify this proposal until such time as a complete agreement is reached. 10.6, the Napa Valley Community College District 
proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Faculty Association for the contract period beginning July 1, 2016. In the spirit of interest-based bargaining, the district seeks to address interests and concerns related to the employment of faculty at Napa Valley College. The district has an interest in working collaboratively with the Faculty Association to create a three-year agreement that will be mutually beneficial. Salaries. The district has an interest in negotiating compensation within the context of the district's goal of operating in a fiscally fiscally responsible manner, Articles 8.0 and 13.0. Health and welfare benefits. The district recognizes that the cost of health and welfare benefits financially impact both the district and the faculty association membership. The district wishes to explore options to address the issues of increasing costs of both employee and retirement benefits, retiree benefits, as well as the unfunded liability for retiree health benefits, Articles 9 and 14.0. Other terms of employment, extra pay assignments, The district has an interest in continuing discussions and completing revisions to the program coordinator project that includes eliminating 8.10 job blocks and revising Article 8.9 related to program coordinators and associated compensation. Evaluation of contract tenure track faculty, Article 12. Regular tenured faculty, Article 12. And part-time hourly unit members, Article 16. The district has an interest in reviewing and updating procedures for contract tenure track evaluation and reviewing evaluation procedures for clarification of possible revision for regular tenured and part-time hourly unit members. Consideration of how faculty use results of assessment of learning outcomes to improve teaching and learning will be a part of the, of the reviews. Retraining language. The district has an interest in reviewing the retraining language particularly in relation to the program discontinuance policy, Article 19. Discipline, the district has an interest in reviewing the discipline language for clarification and possible revision, Article 22. Professional responsibility, the district has an interest in defining professional responsibilities as referenced in 6.2.3 of the labor agreement, including development of descriptions for faculty. Grievance, the district has an interest in reviewing the grievance language, again, for clarification and possible revision, Article 23. Academic calendar, um, has a, the district also has an interest in supporting the quality of instruction and professional development by adjusting the work year, Articles 5.0 and 6.1. Leave provisions, um, again, the district has an interest in updating sick leave provisions for both full and part-time faculty to incorporate requirements for the Healthy Workplace Family Act of 2014, Articles 11 and 15. The district also has an interest in reviewing sabbatical leave, Article 11.15, to ensure compliance with education code. And last but not least, mandatory training. The district has an interest in identifying those training activities that are conditions of employment and regulatory in nature, along with associated compensation for part-time faculty. The district reserves the right to amend, modify, delete, add to, or subtract from this proposal such until such time as a completed agreement is reached. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, we have a just, question. What are job blocks? Job, job blocks? I'm going to ask my colleague Diana Shavodi to provide the definition as you're more familiar with 
what is stated in the contract. Oh, sorry. Um, essentially, it's um, a body of work that someone does who is not previously being paid for it, and it's put together and said, this is a, a block of work, and then there's a determination made how much compensation goes with that block of work, and there are different, there's a job block one and a job block two. So it could be that someone is um, maybe um, coordinating a program, but it turns out that that scope of work is actually bigger, so someone puts together a job block. So things like, um, I should know this, I just did a whole list. Um, so we have programs that have coordinators, and that coordinator is compensated not because that coordinator position is listed within our contract. Some are, our CTE programs are actually spelled out in 8.9.1, but a job block would say, oh, we need a coordinator to coordinate, say, math, and we're going to make that a job block. And is it a job block one or a job block two? And the contract specifies who makes up that committee and kind of how it's decided. Does that make sense? So it's like the extra pay assignments that we see on the um, personnel document kind of thing? You know, it's sometimes that I, I think it does go in the person. Some of them do go in there because it's compensation. It's usually done by a stipend or sometimes by reassigned time. Like a, a job block two is actually like 20% reassigned time or the equivalent stipend. Thank you. Any other questions or comments on what was just presented in the uh, previous item? Seeing uh, none, I'll move to 11.1 through 11.23 covered by the uh, item 11 on the agenda consent calendar. Do we have any requests to pull any items and move them to the action? I'm going to pull 11.3, um, 11.4, 11.6, and 11.13. To repeat those, please, again. 11.3, 11.4, 11.6, and 11.13. Are there any other comments from the board? I don't want to pull anything, but I wanted to comment on 11, 4, and 5. And I will allow you to comment on 11. Do we want to approve the calendar Let's first? approve the, the calendar uh, uh, without uh, uh, or moving 11, 3, 11, 4, and 11, 6, and 11, 13 to action items. Move yeah. approval. Point of clarification, Carolee, these will be renumbered and posted to the action. Are we waiting for something or can we? We're electronically moving the. Do you want to wait for that? Reordered, right? Need a little entertainment in the yeah. intervening time. You can uh, start discussing if you like while I move them. That's what Very I. Very good. All right, let's go to uh, eleven point three. That's the community services class schedules. 
Yeah, I, I just, because I'm still learning, I just want to understand the bidding process a little bit better. I saw that there, it looked at like we reached out to four people or four people came to us. Um, so I'm just wondering, we re- reach out to these people. Do they? Does it open up to everybody? They come to us, and because there's only four, and it doesn't look like any of them were local businesses, at least that I recognize. So I'm just wondering how that that works, and if we make an effort to reach out to any local printers like Minuteman Press or any of the other local businesses. Sure. So the way that we have conducted the bid process in the past is that we have a list of uh, interested parties who have contacted us to say we provide, for this example, we provide printing services, and if you are in the need for printing services, we would be interested in uh, providing a bid for you. And so we send the bid out. We we uh, put the bid package together working with the department that is uh, requesting those printing services, what the requirements are, put the bid package together, send it out to those interested parties that we have on our list, and then they reply. And in this case, we had a limited number uh, reply to this bid. This particular bid, typically we would, in the past, I should say, what we've done is to go out to bid for printing services for, in this case, the community services uh, brochure for the entire year. We limited it to just the fall semester in this case because what we would like to do moving forward is to have a broader, cast a broader net for these kinds of requests for proposals and bundle together the printing requirements for the entire college so that you're not just uh, asking people to bid on the community services uh, uh, brochure, but you're also looking at some of the other printing, the course catalog and things of that nature, um, and therefore make it potentially a more desirable package to bid on and thereby attract more uh, more potential bidders. So so oh, sorry. So these four so only four people came to you and said we want to be on your list. No, actually this only represents the people who who uh, these this represents the people who um, responded in some way, either saying we choose not to bid on this or we do choose to bid and this is this is our proposal. Are there any local businesses that are on your list? There are local businesses on the list. I, I don't have them off the top of my head, but we do have local businesses uh, on our list for, for these bid processes. We just didn't get bids from our local businesses. Thank you. Questions? Move to accept. Second. Been, uh, moved and properly seconded. Why All those in favor? Oh, we're not doing that. We're doing the electronic. Excuse me. Do you not wish to? Do, do we? We have it reordered, don't we? I, we do now. Yes. Uh, if you'll give me just a moment. It looks like it's new 12.1, is that correct? Correct. It is? It, uh, it is supposed to automatically change it from a consent item to an action item um, so that we can vote separately. That isn't 
working, so just give me a moment to change that. You could you could do a handbook. All right, let's do a um, new twelve point one that was formerly eleven point seven point three. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed, say no. Uh, motion carries. Thank you very much. We're up now. So 11.4 is now a, a 12.2 with agreement with uh, Napa Valley Support Services. Um, um, there's a typo, so I just wanted to have it corrected. Um, in the background and summary, it says $336 instead of $336,000 in the background and summary. And then I just had a question. Um, I was just wondering, so it said, so the cost to the district is $336,000, but then it said that it brings in 365 full-time equivalent students. So I'm just wondering... Does we get money for those students? Does that then cover the 336? Or that makes sense. I'm just trying to figure out. It says it's an expense to the district, but I'm just wondering how much we get for the full-time equivalent students versus the $336,000 that it costs the district to have this program. Right. So uh, for each full-time equivalent student uh, that this program generates, it, those uh, full-time equivalent students are funded at the non-credit, basic non-credit rate, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of $2,700 per FTES. So the FTES that we generate more than compensates the district for the cost of this contract and also provides additional funding that's used to support the uh, DSPNS program for the district. So it does compensate? Yes. Okay. So the same thing with 11.5, I'm guessing, because it's... That would be the same thing, yeah. Okay. I uh, wanted to, to comment. Uh, the uh, director for NVSS is with us tonight. I never can pronounce your last name. This is Beth. Uh, this is a program that Napa College uh, was my original employment here to set up the... the uh, programs for the disabled, for uh, PSI originally, and then NVSS came in. Uh, one of the things, and this is so it's been 40 years uh, that we the district has supported uh, these programs, and one of the things that shame on us that we didn't do over the years was to keep any kind of track or data to show economically how what we have done in terms of moving them into uh, different aspects of the workforce has more than paid for uh, the uh, any expense that the college has had. The gentleman that came and spoke who makes $10 an hour, he receives, uh, I'm sure, a Social Security supplement for his disability, but for every for dollar to dollar that he makes, when working his ten dollar a ten dollar an hour job is deducted from his uh, SSI, so that cost savings uh, we you know 
the thousands that we've served over the years we've never kept track of. But I just wanted to say a special thank you. Uh, this program, Beth has been with since she was 18 years old, and um, they do a phenomenal job of uh, work placement. When you go into many of our local businesses and you see somebody with a disability, there's also a support staff with them called a job coach. And um, some of them get hired on full-time, and, uh, you know, some of them work a part-time. But it is um, it is valuable and improve the quality, improves the quality of life for any number of folks in this community. And we do have a higher percentage of disabled than uh, any community, than communities our size. So thanks. Thank you very much. Any other comments? Thank you, Bob, for your for your comments. Do I hear a motion? This is, so moved. This is 12.2 that we're, uh, we've been discussing. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Those who opposed, vote no. And agreement with Napa Valley Support Services has been approved. Thank you very much. Eleven point six is now numbered as twelve point three, independent contractor agreement with Christiana Harder. It's kind of similar to my other question about the bidding process. So I'm just wondering, there's a lot of independent contractors on here. Again, like under what circumstances do we open it up um, to competitive bidding versus just choose the person that we know or that we've been working with? If they're making over a certain amount, or what's the process? So in this particular case, so we had for institutional technology, we had four independent contractor agreements on uh, tonight's agenda. Uh, Three of those independent contractor agreements we expect to eliminate this year by hiring, by filling two full-time vacancies that we have in uh, institutional technology this one in particular, Christian Harder, uh, this is an individual who we've worked with in the past. Um, this is actually renewing a contract that we had with him for the in the previous fiscal year. Uh, he provides cabling services for us so that if we need a, a computer drop move from one wall to the next or we determine that we need a computer station or a, a printer in a, in a particular location in a building where we did not have that service before, that's where we call on Christian. So it's a limited service, not something that we use on a consistent basis. If we have a large job that we need done, for example, we are reconfiguring room 1436 this month. Uh, that's a recabling the entire room, and so we're bringing in an outside firm to do that that has that level of expertise. So to answer your question, did we solicit additional bids for this particular contract? In this case, we did not because we have an ongoing relationship with this individual, and the dollar amount is relatively small compared to some other uh, uh, larger contracts that we might enter into. I just pulled this one as an example. I could have pulled any one because there's several. Is there anything that triggers that now we need to open this up to, you know, to for different people to apply, like a certain amount or a length of time or 
So it would, first of all, the dollar amount would definitely trigger if we go above the state bid limit, which is in the neighborhood of $85,000, we'd be required to do competitive bids. We'd be required to go out. We do typically, even for amounts in the area of twenty to 25000 we would look for two or three bids just to demonstrate that we are getting the best price. For example, the awnings at uh, the Upper Valley Campus, which was also on the agenda tonight, we solicited bids from three vendors, got two replies, um, and that contract was in the neighborhood of $25,000. So that's that's what we would be looking for. In this particular case, because we need to know that the person, so these four independent contractor agreements that were from institutional technology, the people need a specific level of expertise and an understanding of what we need in a college community. The other three independent contractors for institutional technology, those are folks that have a specific understanding of the software that we use, of the reporting requirements that we have for the state. And so it's a very limited pool of people who would be able to provide that service to us. And again, those those dollar amounts are under that twenty five, twenty to twenty five thousand dollar range where we would be soliciting uh, uh, outside bids. And these are also individuals who we have a longstanding relationship with. Mr. Chair, yes, go ahead. Uh, going back to our pre-board workshop, uh, I was I was thinking as we were pulling these items, are we going to go to pulling some of these items just to discuss them, or can some of them, like David had suggested, be emailed prior, just for future reference? Are we going to be pulling them and moving them to the action items to discuss them or can some like some of these may be able to be addressed with a simple email to Mr. Parker rather than taking on, the time re, to on discuss receipt them. of the agenda and the backup material I, I don't see why we could not if we have a question email the, uh, I wasn't uh, able to to review or prepare until today so there wouldn't have been time we will Mr. Chair endeavor to uh, your homework yes so and uh, according to our pre-board workshop uh, I think that I'm also able to say that I think it's a waste of time to have this type of line of questioning uh, because I remember extensive work that the staff did to set policy on how we put out a bid process and we approved that so to Every time we're going to approve something that goes out to bid to re, you know, uh, rehash all of what the bidding process is, I think is uh, out of order. What we did discuss last year uh, in a couple of bids, uh, similar questions, uh, certainly regarding sourcing about uh, labor issues, about uh, material issues, and, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, I believe those were incorporated in into the uh, – the process that uh, Bob Parker uses in his, his shop uh, to um, to take a look and uh, um, at the pool of uh, potential vendors with Napa Valley College. Um, so your your point, uh, Marianne, well taken. Um, let's. Uh, any other questions or comments on this? 
then uh, I'll say my last comment. I want to address what Marion just said, but I'll do it with the last item here. All right. Please. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 If we have a motion. Motion, no, we don't. But, uh, is it consent? And now an action item, we need one, so I need a motion, please. Move to approve. Moving properly seconded. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye by no. Agreement uh, with uh, independent contractor Christian Harder carries. 11.13 has been renumbered to 12.4, approved an agreement with Wells Fargo Insurance for student and athletic accidents in 2016 2017. Okay, so at a previous board meeting, and um, Dr. Parker wouldn't have been here at the time, we approved a document. Um, called Doing Business with Napa Valley College, and that's why I asked about the bids with the local businesses with the printing is because we said that we were going to give priority to socially responsible companies um, and local companies, and that's why I asked that question about whether or not any local businesses were approached for the printing. Um, It's also why I have a concern about 11.13, which it's getting, getting insurance from Wells Fargo, um, which is not a socially responsible company, and it's not a local company. And so I'm, again, just wondering um, if there was any effort to get insurance through a local business or at least a socially responsible business, et cetera. So there are basically two major players in the student insurance market in the state of California. One is a company called Student Insurance, and they were the company that we had contracted with this past year and have worked with for the past few years. The other is Wells Fargo, and we have, as a district, utilized the Wells Fargo services for student insurance in the past. Um, In this particular case, both of those vendors were approached. Both of those vendors provided quotes for student insurance services, and Wells Fargo was the lower of the two bidders in this case. Since we have experience working with Wells Fargo to provide the student insurance We know that the level of insurance coverage and the service that they provide is equivalent to the service that we were receiving from our previous supplier. And so in this particular case, we're advising going with the lower of the two bids. So they're the only ones that can offer student insurance, those two companies? They are certainly the ones who have the best track record and the most experience providing this kind of insurance in a community college setting. Thank you. Fair motion. Any other comments, questions? Second. Been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please reply no. And we have an agreement with Wells Fargo Insurance. Thank you very much. We're moving into, uh, we're still in the action items. Uh, this is uh, now 12.5, the ratify financial doc- documents and warrants. And I believe that is back to Mr. Parker. I'd be happy to answer any questions that anyone might have. Been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
you say no. And the motion carries the 12.1 to ratify the financial documents and warrants, now numbered 12.5. 12.6, uh, formerly known as 12.2, is a uh, resolution ordering governing board members' election. You know. Second. Any comments or questions on this? Uh, all those in favor signify by saying. You want to explain for the audio what it is? Yes. Let's, uh, Dr. Kraft, if you could um, uh, cover this particular item. Uh, sure. Um, sometime before the the um, deadline, the board has to have a resolution to um, order the governing board member election, and that gets forwarded over to the um, to yeah. I'm just trying to think of his names. Why is it? Oh, John Tudor, John Tudor's office, and um, then they are so um, he he can plan on that and and um, get this on the ballot for us, and this would. Accomplish that for you. Any questions, comments? Uh, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, please reply no. And we're going forth with the election, governing board member election, and uh, those districts are. Uh, covered earlier in the roll call on, on uh, 2.1 term expires if you want to look at that you, you can look at 2.1 for those listening at home and see who's up for re-election this year uh, 13 board reports start with the standing committee and order appointment reports or excuse me other appointment reports and 13-1 I'll start with uh, uh, Rafael Rios uh, board chair who I believe filled in for me in a most uh, efficient manner. I was, I was expecting the, the meeting to be over, though. So, I, I think there had been a, a motion, actually, for me to replace you, but you oh, came yes, in right yes, at that moment. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I was very happy to see you came back. So you did have a meeting this week, I believe. We Is did. Uh, we did, and you heard um, some of the things that we were excited about, the hiring of uh, – new instructor for the viticulture uh, program, and uh, the wine sales are continuing uh, at a kind of a steady pace with Whole Foods, and some of the bulk wine has been sold uh, off for some uh, uh, custom projects. Um, excited, the, uh, the faculty is, um, you know, and, and the, uh, the foundation is thinking about uh, about how we will kind of interface with the Napa Valley College Foundation with the projects, you know, that they've undertaken to, to help the college in general, but the um, VWT in particular. And um, those, I understand their plans are moving forward. Our, from our perspective, we want to make sure that we we are stay connected to them, uh, understand, you know, kind of where their process is going to kind of ensure that it is uh, guided uh, from the perspective of the instructional, you know, and the needs of the students and, and the educational program. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be our uh, function in that. 
to to find a way to guide them in that and to direct the the project that they they want to um, move forward for the VWT and for our programs. So it's it's very exciting. There, it's still you know very much in the early stages. So it's kind of hard for everybody to to really picture it. But as they they move forward. Um, I think that uh, there'll be a lot of work there for them and, and for us to kind of keep track of and, and try to guide what they're doing. Um, so uh, that, in, and I think we've had discussions there about our curriculum and, and, you know, what the district might do to broaden the opportunities of the students that are going through our program to be able to move on to, like, the Davis program or or others. So those are, I think, the main topics that, that we discussed in our meeting. Outstanding. And as it was mentioned in our pre-board workshop, a Board Policy 2715, it mentions that we are to promote the college, the community. So we're doing that. Get down to Whole Foods and buy some wine. Napa Valley College wine. Have a nice Syrah, Pinot Noir, on and on and on. All right, thank you very much, Raphael. So then we have the Redevelopment Oversight Committee, Joanne Busenbark. We haven't met. There's one more meeting scheduled, I think, to finish up the sales of the, or the sale of the museum, uh, fire museum. Good, thank you. The Legislative Affairs Committee. Well, we haven't met yet, but we are going to meet next the end of next week, and so we will. Have it on my calendar. <laughs> Double check. We yeah. actually need to uh, replace yes. Mr. Gabriel Sanchez with Kelsey. Did we get an? Did we get? Did I get something on I that? I have a. Um, Tentatively scheduled for 4 o'clock, Friday the 22nd. Is that uh, correct? Am I, I'm looking. have I been misled here? <laughs> you might be sitting here by I do not show that. Um, guys, on Friday. You guys gave me the wrong date. So Friday, July, Friday the 22nd. Um, we, I might have been tentative when we had talked about I it I think before. that's exactly what it was. Right. So we'll have to send you some New dates. <laughs> okay. So I'd like to rescind that promise to have a report next month for that. It's still a possibility, but it's not set in stone at this point. So with that, uh, Gardy Mancuso and Kyle Iverson, I'll ask Kelsey and Pielders. I would be happy to sit on that committee as well. You have been so appointed. Congratulations. Moving on to uh, 13.1.4, the Audit Committee. We have not met. Very good. Thank you very much. A subject uh, 13.2, the Ad Hoc Committee Reports, a Foundation District Relationship Ad Hoc Committee. And the Guardi Rios Iverson, it looks like we need to 
There's place. been no meetings or does that media, does that committee still need to exist? I thought the purpose was to review the MOU and it was already reviewed and adopted. I don't know if we However, we did, as the board discussed, uh, how we would like the uh, uh, review of that MOU to see how it actually impacts the bottom line of the college. So I, I, I feel it necessary that we continue, particularly with the new president of the, the foundation and a lot of activities uh, on this. Do, do you have a, a sense of when you know that kind of review would take? I, I'm just wondering if we leave this as an ad hoc committee for months and months, is it really a standing committee? Do we take it off yes. and bring it back instead? Is that something that could be looked at for the next meeting? You did already take some general direction to staff on this, yes. which was for the foundation office, our foundation office, to structure, if you will, a look back um, and I think we decided that we were going to do it each semester. We felt quarterly might be difficult, but um, and that would be, and it could be even be annually as part of that annual report. Are you talking about an annual report, an accounting of the number of hours yeah, you know, when we, of employees? Yeah, yeah which would be, it would be kind of an added appendix, if you will, a little more drill down on, on what you're looking for. Are we going to add that into the MOU? Um, no, and we don't need an MOU. It's it's your call, and we will we will do that. So we're already being directed to do that. So it's our our job to do. All right. Yeah. Is that something we could cover in the special meeting on the twenty fifth for the mm-hmm. year ending thirtieth so. June? I doubt it. Right. What's their what what is their close? Um, Carolee, are they? Or maybe Bob knows on this. Well, what's I'm the sorry. question? The, the, the Napa Valley College Foundation fiscal year in is it the same? So their fiscal year is the same yeah. as our fiscal year, books, which is June. Their books are not yet closed, though, right? Their books will not. So the auditors are on campus in September to do their final review of the books in preparation of uh, uh, to prepare the audit report for the college as well as the uh, Napa Valley College Foundation. So we wouldn't have audited information to present, bless you, at the uh, uh, August 25th meeting. I would say based on that, I think what's reasonable is in that annual audit report and preparation that we prepare this schedule for the board to look at. And you'd have a nice view of, of the activity, and, and we're really looking for ROI and you know, direct costs. I think that would that's, that's correct. And we've also had the conversation with the auditors as part of our uh, the entrance meeting that we had with the auditors that there is a specific focus this year on the interaction between the college and the foundation and the services that are provided. With, with that said, I mean, there are, there are other relationship issues that I think would be reasonable to keep this open. Well, then, then I would suggest or to follow Raphael's uh, recommendation that we change it to a standing committee. That it is so important that we maintain and develop those uh, relationships, particularly uh, given there they are terms uh, as we are, and it's it's uh, that we strengthen that uh, that that tie. So oh. I will ask that it, it we'll make it a standing committee. 
Yes, Kyle. We would need to update also the new president of the foundation. Yes, that's correct. Just those sorts of things, certainly. Or you just question a, a point. Are, are you going to, are these folks who are on the, uh, um, this ad hoc committee be appointed to the standing committee or are you going to do that at a later date so we can kind of communicate? I will uh, pull them presently. Are they still willing to uh, stand a guardian? And Rafael Rios, Kyle Iverson, and you, sir, uh, Dr. Kraft. Fine. And um, they, they may have opted to keep uh, Bill Hardy on this committee because of his familiarity with all. All right, very good. Yes, I'd like to stay on the committee. I'll continue. I will continue as well. Very good. Well, right. well, next time we'll move that up into uh, 13-1. feel like you've been promoted. 13-3, the trustee and uh, board chair, excuse me, I just jumped over uh, the other ad hoc, the 13-2.2, Board of Trustees Policy Manual Chapter 2, the ad hoc committee, Martinson, Rios, and Iverson. Uh, I know we were looking at the minutes. Uh, uh, perhaps we could... Um, it, it, and there was a pre-board workshop, uh, which touched on minutes and so on and so forth. Perhaps you could get together as a three, look at that again, and see if uh, you we're still consistent with your recommendations, and uh, and or make any changes, and we'll put it on the the August meeting. The uh, and your your selection uh, um, um, going forward, and, and it is in our. Uh, the board goals, as we saw, to update the board policy manual. Uh, I would ask that you know, three of you make a decision on what you would like to do next, and if that is what you decide on as a threesome, then bring it forward. Yes. So we um, actually, Trustee Rios and I met and exchanged emails, um, and we we did a, had a recommendation for the minutes. I think we'll want to look at that again based on the pre-board workshop. But we also um, had a suggestion for the health benefits between for board members, um, trying to bring our practice up to date with our policy because there's one thing in the policy and there's another thing that's been being practiced. So um, I'm not sure why that wasn't put on the agenda because we did bring it forward. And I asked Dr. Kraft. I didn't get an answer. I, I uh, in on our agenda planning meeting, I hadn't seen it, uh, so we uh, decided not to put it on the agenda. Um, but I will ask if, if among the three on the on the uh, ad hoc committee, Kyle, Raphael, and you, Amy, take a look at it again and and resubmit and. Uh, uh, well, wait a minute. Is that an independent decision that a, a uh, well, I've asked subcommittee two th can make? I've asked two things, uh, Joanne. W one, uh, it is consistent with our, our uh, board goals that we look at the board policy. Uh, further, if uh, they are charged with minutes, uh, that's what I specifically asked for, that they look at that since there was some contention on that uh, and it. It, perhaps it was resolved today. That if, if um, um, you know, I'm throwing out that if in agreement with the board that they go through the board policy and see that it's up to date and consistent, but I ask that all three of them weigh in on what is priority here. And if, if I may, yes, Mr. Chairman, please, um, 
when we started this, there was, you know, specific direction on the minutes. And my understanding was, as you just kind of um, said, that one of our board goals is to update, correct, clarify our policies. And when we brought this up in our meeting, it's where I, I said, well, yeah, I think we can look at that. One, specifically because our practice and our policy do not match. And we felt that for that reason, it should be a priority. We, what we're doing in our policy should match. And we shouldn't leave that out there, um, continuing to operate, uh, you know, contrary to our, our policy. Uh, I don't think that there were any real issues there. It was just uh, a matter, the way we saw it, of actually correcting our policy to match our practice. Well, so uh, so what you did uh, was validate that the practice wasn't meeting the policy. You validated that with uh, with Ron, with the board chair, or I, 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 you know, I hear that that was a goal that we set. Uh, I just feel like whatever you find that isn't that you think needs to be changed to bring it back to the whole board, uh, rather than you know, rework it and say, okay, how about this, that uh, how we want to prioritize those that need to be changed. I agree with you. If it's a, if it's a validated practice that doesn't match the policies, then that should have high priority. But um, well, What we are doing opinion. is recommending to the board. We're not adopting changes as a committee. Um, I think what I maybe hear uh, Trustee Busenbark saying is that, well, maybe committee should do is look at the policies and bring back a list of priorities for the board to consider what we might work on next. That's, that's well, fair. Yeah. Yes, it, yes. It, it, it is what I, uh, that is what I, uh, what I said. We may end, end up with the same thing. I guess my concern is that, uh, uh, that the validation that a practice isn't, that's what, what we're actually doing doesn't, you know, meet policy. That to me, to me, is the should be the highest priority. If, uh, that doesn't sound. You know, well, that, sound good that, at all. So what I'm hearing is that let's let's establish the process, and, and let's take a look at these board policies and prioritize what what we need to look at first and foremost. We're not limiting ourselves to one per meeting. If there's three or four, yeah, that no, we I, could do. Yeah. Um, and Amy has a, a question here. I mean, I want to back up. That the origin of this subcommittee was that this was actually during um, when Trustee DeGarty was chair that I noticed that there were several policies that we were not in compliance with, and nothing happened at that point. But um, Trustee Baldini brought it back forward and said, let's create a subcommittee to look at those. Um, and the point is I think it's up to us to identify those, to bring them forward. They're only recommendations, much like the legislative committee. We don't tell them which ones to look at. They decide which ones they want to look at and bring forward. We might be able to make suggestions, but ultimately it's up to them to decide which ones they look at and bring forward. Um, I don't see it as being any different, and again, they're just recommendations. It's different in the sense, I'm sorry, Mr. Chair. (laughs) Please proceed, Marianne. I think it's different in the sense that legislative committee is a standing committee, and uh, the this other committee is an ad hoc committee that we initially sent out there to work on the minutes issue. 
and I think it's a fine committee. And, um, uh, you know, I agree with, well, if things are jumping out that are mismatched in policy and, um, and, and practice, we need to look at them. But, uh, but I think it is different in, in the sense that maybe, maybe they come back like, like Trustee Busenbark is saying with, here are the things that we found, not necessarily right away with recommendations. The purpose of the subcommittee was to to bring into compliance our actions with our board policies. Only later did um, Trustee Baldini say, please do the minutes. He asked us to focus on the minutes after that subcommittee was created. It was created to overall bring all of them up to compliance. All right, let's, let's do this. Um, excuse me, Kyle. Uh, let's, let's make it a standing committee, and again, I'll pull those present. And, Kyle, if you want to say something before I ask if you're – if you wish to continue on the yeah, I need to weigh in as well. Go ahead, Kyle. Um, I just I have a hard time with any trustee on the board determining whether it's a compliance issue or not before the board as a whole has been able to discuss that and had legal uh, advice. If it need be, if it is a true compliance issue, I don't think it's in our uh, duties to determine if it's compliant or not. I think that may be a bad choice of words, but I think the way that I understood it is that the ad hoc committee was supposed to look at the minutes. I do agree with uh, Trustee Rafael Rios on, you know, if some of these other jump jump out, that it would be a good practice to list them. And Why don't we bring forward a list of the policies that I'm we're referring to that are out of compliance to have the approval of the board to move forward with each one. Very good. Then I'll ask. Can I, can uh, I, yes, go ahead. Uh, I just have one comment. I, I think it's important for the. I, I like that idea. I think it's important for the board to review their own policies. It is not the board's role to craft those policies. It, it's the board's role to direct staff to work with legal to craft those. Otherwise, we're going to keep bouncing these back and forth between legal to, you know, this is what we meant. So. I think identifying them is, is fine, helping us identify them, and we'll, it's already a part of um, our agenda as well. And, Carolee, you may have a – was that the point um, you were thinking as I well? I was going to say that um, a standing committee is much more formal, structured, subject to the Brown Act, has to have an agenda, a publicly noticed meeting, and that this committee does fall under the, the definition of ad hoc. It has a short and discreet objective. Um, and it might be best to keep it as an ad hoc committee. Might as well take Then uh, one more question. Yes, one more question. Is there, Carolee or somebody knows, um, is there a length of time that a committee, an ad hoc committee, there is, isn't there, that they can exist before? Um, I, I think you alluded to the task to at the hand. Brown, it seems to me in the Brown Act that there was something about a length of time an ad hoc committee can exist. It's supposed to be of short duration. I don't think it's defined. Okay. Uh, I think it, it hinges on its objective. The legislative committee will be evaluating legislation forever, whereas this review of Chapter 2 is a short-term project. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you want us to email you the list or bring it to the next board meeting? How would you like us to do that? Well, Raphael, I, uh, um, why don't you talk to Dr. Kraft here about what, what best would work with between you two as far as 
priority process and, and bringing it back? Well, I, I would suggest we do exactly what we was just suggested. We go back and we bring back the, the minutes um, policy, and then we, we put together a list of ones we think need attention and bring that back, work with uh, Dr. Kraft to, to bring that back, the board to then direct staff um, on the work on the further work on those policies. Amy and Kyle, you're both willing to continue? Yep. All right, very good. Then I'll move to the 13 uh, 3 trustee and board chair reports. And I'll begin with Raphael. Okay, um, I don't think I did anything real exciting over the last month. Um, I do have a, a couple of things that I want to share that are coming up, and not simply because I have personal connections to this. I think they have some components here that are, are interest to everybody because they're scholarship-related, a couple of organizations that I'm involved with, one being the uh, Damian Maldonado Memorial Foundation, which is uh, my family. Um, we do a fundraiser for scholarships for high school students throughout the, the county, uh, Napa, uh, that are going on to, to college. Uh, I think the foundation at this point in the, it's been operating for about seven, seven years. We've raised just over $100,000 and given in scholarships in our the event is coming up April, April, August uh, 6th, and um, something worth considering. Uh, it's uh, wine and food, uh, silent auction, music uh, at the winery up in Calistoga. Um, and I've got a, well, I don't know if I have that, but I can, the Damien Maldonado Foundation.org. Uh, so that's one. The other. Can you, can you register that online? Yes. Yes, the tickets are online. Yes. Um, the other one is the Mexican-American Vintners Association. The, our annual event is also coming up. Uh, that one's August 16th, Saturday. and August we, 15th. 15th? I have the flyer right here, sir. That last year? Oh, that's last year. Gosh, I'm a year behind. Uh, look, I do, have, I do have that flyer. Here's the new one, Michael. I wonder why I didn't get one. <laughs> the 16th, Saturday. Uh, and that's our food and wine event. Uh, we present our scholarships uh, at that event uh, to students, a number of them who, who come here to Napa and continue their education after um, high school. So I do have a few of the flyers for that if anybody's interested. Um, and that's all I have. Questions? I'd like an updated flyer, please. Here you go. Obviously, somebody gave me the wrong I... date. <laughs> oh, I see. I think it's August 20th. I think the Saturday deadline for does. tickets. August, Saturday, August 20th. Oh, you threw me off. Right? There you go. Here. Saturday, August Saturday, 20th. August 20th. That's for tickets. Yeah. So, but... There, I have a few more of these if you're interested, in, and we're online at uh, the um, nsmava.org. Thank you. No, that was, uh, I went last year. It's a lot of fun, and many of these uh, 
employees of these wineries uh, have supported Napa Valley College in the past, uh, and uh, many of them have been students here. So I strongly suggest that you attend. It's a lot of fun, great food, and Raphael's family makes the best wine there. All right. Joanne. One of my most favorite things to do, and I think the uh, exciting thing this year was seeing so many of them that already had jobs. Uh, just terrific. Thank you very much. Marianne. Well, I'm very I'm very excited because, uh, as you know, the Workforce Investment Board is becoming the Workforce Development Board. And not only are we kind of changing our, our format a bit, but we are also expanding. So now Marin County is joining Napa County and Lake County, and we're going to be a more regional board. And um, what I'm excited about is that because of this, we had to narrow the participants from each area, but I got chosen to stay on the board, the Workforce Development Board, and I'm really excited about it because it does take on, you know, a whole new dimension with us now being Marin, Lake, and Napa, and having this real regional footprint. I think I'll be able to bring back more uh, value as well back to the college. I think I'm actually going to be holding two seats. I think I'm going to be holding the college seat as well as the private business seat. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to that and getting started with uh, the new board and what that uh, what that all is going to entail because I know for a while it's going to be just figuring out who we are and what we're doing. And then the other thing I just wanted to say was Fourth of July Parade was great. We had a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Dan DeGarty. Oh, I also went to the police academy graduation, and it's very grad- gratifying. I love the bagpipes, too, <laughs> I've got to say. But um, also the Fourth of July Parade was a lot of fun, uh, it's it's nice to see the college community wrapped around a, a single event. Um, had the monthly tip meeting, and it's getting really exciting now. I told you last time they've already started classes in Marin, and now we're taking sign-ups for the next class in uh, at Napa, which will begin, I believe, in October, October or November. It, to remind everyone, TIP stands for Trades Introduction Program. It's for lack of a better term, a pre-apprenticeship, but you can't call it pre-apprenticeship because the different trades have pre-apprenticeships that's an official designation by the uh, Department of Education, but for sort of a pre-pre-apprenticeship, you might say. And uh, this Friday, Bill Scott, who is the lead person of the TIP committee, wants to tour the campus, so I'm going to meet him here to uh, tour the campus. I, I warned him that... Uh, you know, Friday in the summer, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of missing people, but at least he'll be able to see the place and meet some people. I'll take him to the 
Small Business Development Center, which is where they, it's going to happen. And uh, I'm, like I say, I'm very excited about this and happy to be involved in it. Amy. Um, yeah. I actually, for the legislative committee, um, was hoping they would look at two pieces of state legislation that re relate to part-time faculty um, at community colleges. Um, I've supported both of them as individuals, but I'd like to see us support them as a board, or at least to consider it. Um, one of them is AB 1690 that would grant rehiring rights based on seniority to part-time temporary faculty that have worked six consecutive semesters um, and also would require due process when they are terminated. The other one is ACR 95, ACR 95 which is just a resolution um, that they're trying to pass through the state red, uh, legislature that would call on community colleges to not reduce their hours to less than 30 hours per week in order to avoid providing health benefits under the Affordable Health Care Act, which is a practice at Napa Valley College. Um, so I'd like to see the legislative committee consider looking at those and acting on them as a whole board. Um, I just think it's really important that, you know, we often say that we value our adjunct faculty, but that it's important that we back up those statements with real actions that provide them with better working conditions um, because it's the right thing to do and because it will enable us to recruit better quality uh, and retain them. Um, also related to that, uh, I was wondering if we could get some information regarding what it would cost the district to give part-time faculty partial benefits. Um, that's what we, we do at Napa Valley Unified. If they're part-time employees, they get part-time uh, or partial benefits. So I'm wondering what the cost to the district of that would be. And let's see. And then lastly, um, just wanted to relay a concern I heard from a faculty member. Actually, it came from a student at my school as well. Um, I don't know if you remember I talked about how we had 15 students that enrolled in a college success class at my school, and at the end there were only five left that finished. Um, so I did talk to them, and they had different reasons. Some of them it was the actual course. Some of them it was their schedule. Um, but a few of them mentioned the cost of the book. Um, so the course was free, but the book was $80 um, for a college success class. So it's not you know like a chemistry textbook or anything. So I didn't see the book, but... That caused, you know, most of the students at my school are low income. Um, that caused them to drop out. Um, and related to that, uh, I heard from a faculty member that there is the option to buy some of these books cheaper online um, for significantly less. But they're, they've been given the message that they should promote the bookstore to the students and, and not educate them about the online options that are cheaper. So um, I don't know if that's true, but if that's happening, I, I think the message should be that you know we want our students to get the best deal possible. Hopefully it's from our, our college bookstore, but if not, they should know about online opportunities as well. That's it. Kyle Iverson. Um, I actually uh, dropped in on the MALVA meeting yesterday, and it's a really good group that represents an integral part of the wine industry and uh it was a really interesting meeting i think uh there's some great opportunities with where we're going with our viticulture program and i uh was 
sad to miss the police academy graduation this year because it is really a good ceremony and it's nice to see our students getting hired into our own police force here. Uh, this after, Earlier this morning, I attended uh, an event in light of the events going on in our country right now with cops and shootings, and it was a Hug-A-Cop Day. And there was an event that was down at the memorial, 9-11 memorial downtown, and we had Sheriff Robertson there, Chief Potter, and several other sheriffs and police officers. And uh, it was an opportunity for the community. There were a few hundred people there, at least, that came out and supported our sheriffs and police department. So that was nice. That's all I have to report on. Our student trustee, Kelsey Hetfield. I have no report at this time. Thank you. I just want to apologize for missing part of the meeting. I didn't get to hear the constituent group reports or the vice president reports or your report. And it's so wonderful to see Eric here. Oscar, I miss you. Expert team on my left. Now, I, I did figure out that the the note that Raphael gave me that it says something about a continuance of closed session here on item fourteen point zero. Is that is that right? Signed RR. That was apparently here. from last year. Oh, that was from last yes. year. Okay. <laughs> Again, this is Dan's. <clears throat> so there is no. Uh, 14, no, no necessary uh, continuous to closed session. We're all pleased at that. Uh, a 15, announcement of future meetings. You, you heard our a special meeting on Thursday, the 25th of August at um, <clears throat> 4 p.m. And then uh, our 11th, is that uh, where we're looking at? A regular meeting of the Board of Trustees, Napa Valley College. Anything further, I will ask you to remain vigilant for the degradation of human rights. Work with urgency and civility toward peace in our hearts and our nation and this world. And with that, I adjourned at 8.05 Pacific Daylight Time.